You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Bringing you the most valuable insights from Accountex. This is Accountex London 2023. We are broadcasting live with John Thompson. Hello to you, John. Hi there, Rob. How are you doing? We're doing great. Not your first rodeo, is it, John, this Accountex thing? No, it's not. Been around a long time, Rob. Longer than you even, I believe. Are you enjoying it today? I think it's an excellent show today. I love the Silver Dream machine we're in now. Double Decker Bus is fantastic as well. We are the official broadcast partners of the show here at the Accounting Influencers Podcast. We've done a few interviews today. Uh, You've been doing some talks, so you've got a talk planned, haven't you, John? I'm talking about advisory at five o'clock, Rob. So everybody who stops listening to this, get over to Theatre 3. There is still time. And learn something. Yeah, now you've been on a crusade for the last few years, John. Tell the audience a bit about what you do and what you talk about. I'm the Chief Exec of Wisdom in Practice, and we market CAS, the complete advisory solution to accountants, sometimes bookkeepers and consultants as well, and it's all about helping your clients do better. You say it like it's so easy, but there's a lot of complex moving parts to that, isn't there? There is, but I think the starting point is just being really clear what advisory is, and I think there's a lot of uh, complexity about advisory that is unnecessary. So one way to think about advisory is, let's focus on the clients. Let's stop talking about just business advisory and start talking about client advisory, which is the personal and the business. And then think about anything and everything that helps your clients do better. You put it so succinctly and you make it sound very easy, but you're right, the waters are muddy out there and everyone's got a view on compliance and advisory and what it all is, but Aren't accountants just doing what they've been doing for many years or are they being asked to upgrade now and go further? I think there's a choice for accountants. I think you can do advisory your way. I think by incorporating both the personal and the business, uh, if you find business advisory a bit scary, don't do it. Concentrate on the personal advisory, which is very much about talking to your clients about what's important to them personally their family, their lifestyle, what they're trying to achieve. Focus on that first as a stepping stone, maybe into the more complex business advisory work. Mm. What conversations have you been having today? You've been around all day talking to a lot of accountants and vendors as well in the technology space. What's been coming up? From the accountants, I think there's a growing desire to do more advisory type work, to begin to build more advisory led practices. Um, And there's also, from the technology side, feeding into that, a little bit of uncertainty and maybe fear with some people about what is AI going to do to the profession? What is it going to do to the profession? I think it will be incorporated within the profession. I think uh, accountants are very adaptable people. You only need to look at what they've adapted to over the last few years. But there's no doubt the accountants that focus on the human approach, the people approach, people to people will always be the number one relationship builder. Mm. Who's driving the advisory agenda, John? Is it the clients asking more from their accountants or the accountants wanting to deliver more for the clients or maybe even someone, something else? I think it's a two-way thing. I think there's a growing number of accountants who 
um, are saying dealing just with numbers is not very exciting. So what about what's before the numbers and beyond the numbers? That's much more interesting. There's maybe some older accounts who are saying I'm getting a little bit tired of uh, being on the hamster wheel and wouldn't it be much more interesting to spend a lot more time talking to, to their clients and indeed prospects. Um, so it's, it's more than one way, but if you ask any uh, client what they want, they find it difficult to answer that question. But one of the tests I would say is if you put a personal balance sheet on the desk in front of a client and next to it put a business balance sheet, don't be surprised where all the questions are about. They're not about the business, they're about the personal balance sheet because that's in here. That's a really good point because it is about we do our business to fulfill our personal goals a lot of the time. We do this and um, we all have clients or we all worked with clients where they're in love with the business but then they fall out of love with the business yeah. but they never fall out of love with their family and their lifestyle and trying to retire on a, a good income etc. Is there a myth John out there that perhaps some accountants feel that if they're doing management accounts and meeting quarterly with their clients and they've got some dashboards and pretty pictures and reporting tools and things like that that they're in the realm of advisory? I think unfortunately that's been an agenda driven by the fintechs right. and it is a bit of a red herring. I go back to that personal balance sheet. Yes. That is the most important thing. Um, and having good information helps, but it's not the most important thing. Um, that's my belief and certainly that's the feedback we have from people who work with CAS. And this, I call it a crusade, but you're just very passionate about it. That's why I say that. Is it a hard sell to accountants or more and more are they starting to get it? I don't think it's a hard sell necessarily, but it is something that requires them to change how they operate. So um, I was They're not good at change though, generally, John, are they? They're not good at change, but they, I think sometimes they don't see the wood for the trees. So I was work, working with a practice two weeks ago, and, and the question was, how do you scale advisory? And the partner's name was Mark, and I said, well, Mark, how have you scaled everything else in your business? And he said, well, we put processes in place, we set targets, we train the people. I go, there's your answer. When you do your keynote in a little while, John, hopefully to a packed out audience, they will want some quick wins. How do I get started? How do I dip my toes in? What advice will you be giving them? The starting point we would say is, uh, decide whether you want to work with winning new business or whether you want to essentially transition some of your existing clients into a more advisory-led relationship. And once you've decided that, then there's some simple processes you can put in place that says, what do we do when we have a prospecting meeting? Well, we need to follow a certain process that leads clients through these kinds of conversations about what's important to them. Or indeed, the other side of the coin, if you want to work with your existing clients, how do we build those processes in? In one sense, Rob, it's just great client care. Mm. You say that as if it's very natural, but many accountants I speak to, they, they want it laid out for them in a very prescriptive way. Say this, ask this, go through these three steps, show them this, so that it's almost a checklist, and they do well with checklists. Is that a feasible way to approach this? There's no doubt some accountants like a script. Yeah. They like to as go. As long as it's delivered naturally. Absolutely. Yeah, but in their that own style. Comes with experience. So, of course. 
everybody who starts with a script very quickly, they'll go slightly off script and they'll start using their own words and their own language. They'll talk about things that they're most comfortable to talk about. But that just gives this just gives them a starter for 10. Yeah. What's your hope for the future, John? You're going to be in this game for a few more years yet. If we're sat here saying three, four, five years, talking about advisory and its adoption in the accounting profession, what would you like to be speaking about? I think that's a great question, Rob, and I'll answer that in a slightly obtuse manner. We're currently running a survey. Okay. And we're asking accountants to basically tell us what they're currently doing and what they'd like to see for themselves and their practice going forward. And the Are results, accountants the best judge of that? Well, all we're asking them to do is tell us what they're doing and what they'd like to do. Okay. Um, and the results that are coming back has really pleasantly surprised us. So, for instance, more than half of the respondents are telling us that within three years they want more than half of their fees to be advisory fees. Wow. Now, I would never have foreseen that. I would have thought, oh, accountants, bit cautious, bit careful. If they'd said, oh, I don't know, 25, 30%, I would have thought, great. But actually, to say more than half, I'm just going, wow. And they don't have to give up compliance, do they? Well, no, they shouldn't give up compliance because um, one of the little things to think about is put yourself in your client's shoes and everything's advisory. Clients don't talk about advisory compliance. They talk about what are you doing to help me keep me out of trouble, help me do better. Yeah. And finally, John, you're very passionate about this and you speak with such conviction. What drives you? What drives me is I've seen how working in this way can transform clients' lives. Uh, and interesting enough, on the panel at five o'clock, there'll be one of the speakers there, or one of the panel me members, will be talking about how the work he is doing, in the words of the client, is transforming their lives. Wow. Transformation, love it. John Thompson, that's been great. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Rob. One of the great things about Accountex is it attracts people from all over the world. It is one of the biggest events for the accounting and fintech community, certainly agnostically, because vendors from all over the world and experts from all over come. I'm thrilled to have with you today an international expert and true accounting influencer. It's Tom Wheelwright. Good day, Tom. It's great to be here with you, Rob. You're a long way from home, Tom. Where is home? I am a long way. It's uh, Phoenix, Arizona is a long ways away. And for people that haven't come across you, and I can't believe there are not many because you've spent a long time building a really strong brand, what are you all about? Uh, really, my um, mission in life is to make taxes fun, easy, and understandable. It's, it's really simple. Um, I'm a big fan of entrepreneurs, and particularly mission-driven entrepreneurs, and believe that as a profession that um, we serve the most important people in the world, entrepreneurs. And the better we can serve them, the more success they're going to have with the people they serve. So it's, it's a very exponential opportunity. And if we can free up their capital, especially by helping them legally not pay as much tax, that frees up their capital, they can reinvest it, and they can do more good. Yeah. Now, your brand WealthAbility has a number of different arms. Just describe it to us generally. Yeah, so uh, we're fundamentally education and then sales and marketing. So we have a network of CPA firms in the US. We have over 60 CPA firms uh, around the US. Um, some of them are um, uh, localized, have an office, and some of them are completely remote. Yeah. Okay, we don't, it doesn't matter to us. And we wouldn't have said that a few years ago, would we? No, 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 no we wouldn't have. Now, my firm's been 
able to do that for 20, 15 years, but we were early. You were pioneers. We were very early in that, yeah. um, where we, we were kind of paperless, is what we used to call it, right? Paperless. And um, what we found is that um, because we have a unique message to the entrepreneur and we're focused on the entrepreneur, we're focused on the client. We're, our, we're not a network that's focused on the CPA, which is a little odd to say we have a network of CPAs and we're focused on their clients. We're not focused on them. We're focused on helping them serve their clients. And that's really one of the things that makes us different is that um, it's not about the CPA, it's not about the accountant, it's about the client. And the other thing that makes it different is that um, we literally have cracked the code, so to speak, for taxes. Uh, people read my book, Tax-Free Wealth, or they read the Win-Win Wealth Strategy, both of them bestsellers, and they go, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And they're easy books to read. Entrepreneurs, I've had people tell me they're a great beach read, right? So if, That's I mean, a compliment. Seriously, that is the best compliment ever. You can say, I read a tax book on the beach. <laughs> and I'm going, you're either really nerdy or it's just a really easy book to read. And I'm, yeah. I'm hoping it's the latter, although I suspect it's the former. Now, we're an international audience here. Tom, and some people might be watching, listening, and thinking, well, it's okay for Tom. He's talking about tax in the U.S., but you're over here in the UK. How transferable are the principles um, and things that you talk about over here? You know, in, interestingly enough, the tax law is pretty much the same everywhere. Okay. Um, in my book, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, one of the reasons I wrote that um, is because I wanted to actually do the charts and tables for 15 different countries. So we include the UK in right. there. So every single chapter has charts and tables for the UK, including the UK, including um, Asia, including Australia, including um, uh, parts of Europe, parts of um, parts of Eastern Europe. So there's the tax law. Really, fundamentally, we think of it as a series of incentives. What does the government want you to do? And if you do those things, they reduce your taxes. If you don't do those things, they're fine taking your taxes. But we've actually just simplified the tax law so much that the average person can pick up a book like Tax-Free Wealth or Win-Win Wealth and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. And that's why I can speak in London, I can speak in, um, I can speak in China, I can speak in um, Japan, yeah. uh, Sydney, it doesn't matter. And it will be music to the ears of accountants and CPAs that you're simplifying tax because it gets more and more complex, more and more difficult to understand and it takes up rows on the shelf to stay up to date with it all. Well, and here's the good news for accountants is that it is complex. That's actually the good news for accountants. Yes. But what accountants don't have to realize is they have to make it simple for their clients. So the clients need to see the simple um, concepts, the basic principles. They don't need to know everything. That's what you're for. Yeah. Right? And so what so, so when I'm speaking to entrepreneurs, which I do a lot, what I tell them is, look, here's the way the tax law works. These are the principles. The details can be handled by your accountant. Now, do the details vary from country to country? Yes. But the principles and the concepts do not. They are the same. Mm. What brings you over to the UK? Tom, are you expanding over here or are you bringing wealthability to us? That is our goal, yes. Um, we, we are well established in the US. We'd like to be even... We, we could do more in the U.S. Um, we're successful enough with our brand in the U.S. that we bring in over 100 clients a month to our members, new clients that they're coming into our members. So we constantly need new members yeah. because we constantly add clients and they, get, they can get overwhelmed pretty easily. Um, so 
this is a message that it is transferable. It's transferable to Australia, the UK, Canada. We actually have um, accountants throughout the world that are on our waiting list for when we get to their country. We have one in um, Hong Kong. We have one in Singapore. We have uh, a couple in Australia. We have some in South America. They are just waiting for us. So we're just we're trying to get there as fast as we can. Yeah. And and UK would be. Um, after Canada would be the first place we would come. Yeah, copy that. Now, there's a very strong educational program here at AccountsX. You've got a feel for it now. You've seen all the different theaters. We're privileged to have you be one of those speakers today. What was your session about, Tom? So th this is really about, um, well, the, the title is, uh, you know, double your profits and and slash your time and stress. That's a provocative title, but very aspirational. Actually not. So to give me an example. so. I remember a time when I was working 3,500 hours a year and probably bringing home, doing okay, three, $400,000 a year. It's not bad, okay? So what we've developed is a way to do this in, in a way that now I have an accounting firm. Besides WealthAbility, I have a separate accounting firm. Yep. I work less than 10 hours a week and bring over half a million dollars home every year. So You've walked I, the walk. This is what I do. I'm just telling people what I do. And this is how I do it. And what we really focused on was three things. We focused on, first of all, you've got to get educated yourself. Because if, if you're going to be a tax advisor, you need to understand the tax law. If you're going to be a, a fin financial planner, you need to understand you know, financial planning. If, you, if you're going to be a, um, if you're going to help clients with cash flow and increasing their cash flow, you need to know how to do, you know, you really got to get the education first. And then what you have to do is recognize that Clients don't want a service, they want a product. They want something that is clear and identifiable and they know what the price is up front. And that's the third thing, they want to know what the price is. And once they know what the price is up front, you can actually charge the price up front. So you don't have to wait for the money because you can tell the clients, okay, here's what it is. We collect up front or we collect monthly, whichever one you prefer, but one of the two. And the reason we do that is because we want you to feel like you can pick up the phone anytime you want. We want, we want to be the ones who are calling you, that you're not always the ones calling us. Um, if you've got a payment coming due on your tax return, then we need to calculate that. We're going to call and set up that appointment. You don't have to call us. If we have an idea for reducing your taxes, you don't have to call us. We will call you. And you're not going to get billed extra for it because it's included in that price. So pricing is a... You know, billing is, tends to be at the end. It tends to be based on inputs, not outputs, not results. And clients, frankly, hate it. Mm. And if you think about it, can you imagine going into an Apple store and picking up an iPhone and saying, uh, first of all, tell me how long it took you to make this. I'm going to pay you an hourly based on how long it took you to make <laughs> yeah, that. And what the inputs were. Tell me, would you? Or, or even even worse, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take this iPhone, send me a bill. No, you have to pay for it up front, yeah. and you know exactly what you're getting. The reason Apple is the, the most successful um, product, really, in the world is because you know exactly what you're getting, and the price you're paying is less than the value to you. Yeah. And so with... with with accountants, we need to make sure that the price our clients are paying, first of all, they know what it is. Second of all, that it's less than the value they're getting. Yeah. 
It's a great message, Tom, and it will really resonate with the UK audience for sure. Uh, just as we close, talk to us about your Accountex experience. So, a little overwhelming. Um, I've never, there is nothing like this in the US. Uh, we don't have, uh, our shows are, our trade shows are probably a fraction of the size. Even the biggest one, which would be probably AICP Engage. And it's probably, they probably got, I don't know, 10 or 15 vendors there, that's it. And you've got a thousand here. And so it's, um, it's, it's pretty impressive. A little overwhelming to those of us who sure. get sensory overload so fast, um, but it's a it. It's just a, it's a fascinating experience, and I've you know I've stopped by the booths. I've I've learned okay now why why would ten thousand people come to a Countex? Yeah. I just I couldn't fathom that. I had to see it for myself. <laughs> and you've seen it now. Would you come back? And if so, what would you do differently next time? Y you know, um, it. it if or when I come back, um, first of all, um, I would uh, I would come back not just to kind of check things out, but the next time I come back, it'll be because we're launching in the UK. There you go. Okay, and so what I find is that with with services, even services that you productize like we do, um, it's very hard to just you can't just have a booth; it won't work. Yeah. You have to be on stage and send people to the booth. And so that would be the goal, is be on the main stage, send people back to the booth. That's where you get it. Or like this, this relationship works very well for us. So we met a lot of people through Accounting Influencers Roundtable. Um, we love it. Um, I have my market, my CMO uh, coming now, as you know, and uh, it makes a huge difference to us. So really appreciate all that you do, and I would not be here without air. Well, it's a great relationship. We love having you as well. Tom Wheelwright from WealthAbility, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Rob Brown here with another interview from Accountex 2023. We are broadcasting live. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Avi from Ledger. Good day, sir. Good day, how are you? I'm splendid. How are you enjoying it so far? It's actually amazing. People are queuing to talk to us out there. Great. Is this your first Accountex of you? Uh, it's the third one. Third one? Mm -hmm. Does it feel bigger this year? It does, actually. I was wondering if it's just me. What, is it bigger? 20% bigger. Yeah, it's great. There's a lot of buzz out there. I think it's one of the best events I've been to, to be fair. Wow. And for people that don't know Ledger, tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. We are a mid-market financial ERP. Uh, we are working with organizations which are outgrowing products like Zero. Uh, if you have more complex needs, more uh, self-service reporting for your budget holders, for your department managers, uh, if you need all-in-one product, then uh, you probably need to talk to a mid-market product like Exledger. Yeah. I saw your stand earlier. It looked very busy. It was. Thank you. What kind of conversations are you having? Uh, people want to understand who we are, first of all. So this is one type of people. And other people did hear about us. And they want to book a demo. Uh, see if you can help them. What are they asking you? What do we do? What do we do? That's the first thing yeah. that they are asking us, if we can help them with specific uh, issues they have. Uh, because we are a mid-market, fairly complex product, what we try to do with all of them is actually try to understand in more detail what they need. Yes, because they're so different, aren't they? One accountant is exactly. not the same as another. And, and solving one problem it's not means we are a solution for them. Mm. So we are, have a very consultative approach. We want to sit down with them and understand 
what they do in detail, what are their workflows, what are their challenges now, and what are their aspirations as well in the future. Mm -hmm. Having these discussions with one of our consultants allow us to build a tailored demo for them based on their processes, their workflows, their aspiration. We show them what we can do, and then it's on for both sides to decide if we, this can be a And that's good a very good point, because plugging in one piece of software or one platform is not the answer. You must think strategically. It's always an ecosystem. It's never, we are a best of breed software, and we always integrate with other softwares. We need to understand that as well every time we are starting a new partnership. Are you having conversations with other vendors, Avi? Because yes. there's a lot of collaboration and strategic partnerships. That's one of our objectives at this, this event. Uh, we, we need to understand the whole ecosystem. We need to understand with our competitors, but also who can we work with to help each other and provide more value for our customers. Mm. Xledger. Are you big on research and development? You, you invest a lot in new technologies and new ways? We are. We are uh, privately owned. Uh, our owner is very passionate about the product. He wants to have that the helps. best <laughs> product in the world. Literally, that's always what he's saying. And 30% of our employees are into the R&D. Wow. And we always, always try to improve and stay ahead of our competition. What's it like working at Xledger? Tell us a little bit about the culture. It's actually amazing. We are based in Bristol. The UK team is based in Bristol. Uh, are you we international have, though? We are international. We have offices in Norway. We're a Norwegian company. Company. This is where we've started from. We have offices in Norway, Finland, Sweden, US and UK in Bristol. In Bristol, we're about 60 people and we have literally an amazing office. Foosball, uh, ping pong, uh, bar in the office, barbecue on the terrace. Literally, I know. Sounds like the Google workplace, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really fun. Yes, I think it's slightly better. Yes. What excites you most about the future with what's happening at X-Ledger? The future? Um, there's no limit, I think, with the future. I think we are growing exponentially. We are constantly battling against uh, the big boys like NetSuite, Microsoft Business Central. We constantly win against them. So I don't know exactly where we're going, but I think the future is really bright. You bring up another very good point because for some people, the zero is, is the right option for them or some of the other Absolutely. smaller. Uh, but then you move up to the bigger boys and there's bigger fish there, isn't yeah, there? There's yeah. different competition. So yeah. how do you view that? Because they're not so collaborative, are they? Um, or are they? We work, so when we get on the higher mid-market, let's yeah. say, we always need to collaborate with some other partners. Right. Uh, not necessarily with our direct competitors, but for example, when we work with housing associations, we always need to find some housing management systems that we can work with, make sure we can integrate and make sure it, the final solution, even if it's two different vendors, works better for the customer. So it can be a payroll solution, an HR system, housing management system, raising, fundraising system. We always need to be aware mm -hmm. and have open channels of communications or all those people being aware of can we actually complete each other. Yeah. When you look at your marketing, Avi, this is a big investment. And presumably AccountX is the, the flagship event for you in the year, it's the big event. You invest a lot in it. How do you measure return on investment? Is it just lead generation? Is it brand awareness? Is it market intelligence? The answer is, is yes. All <laughs> of those things, okay. So it's definitely lead gen. You always want to see the immediate outcome, but yeah. you also can see it by coming back. So by, I've been here three years ago, I've been last year here, three years ago people were not queuing to right. talk to us. Yeah, yeah. Now we actually can recognize people that were talking to us, they recognize us. It can be customers or future customers or 
partners or tech partners. We are part of this ecosystem and that's what we are looking for. When someone is looking for a new finance system, be it an accountancy practice or end customer, they need to know about us and to invite us to some discussions to assess if there's a fit over there. And final question, talk to us about the future for X-Ledger, some things you've got coming up. What excites you most about your future? Uh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> I think the, the most exciting thing about Xledger is we already have in place an ESG reporting tool, which means ESG we, is a big thing. It's now. a big thing now, and we are not only governance. talking about this. Uh, we had already two releases. We have the functionality in place. We can help our customers with ESG reporting as much as we can now because it's fairly unclear exactly how that will look, but we have the base in place already. Well, Arvi Stitch from Xledger, it's great talking to you. Thank you for your time. Lovely today. to talk to you. Next 2023 in London, I'm here with Clayton Notes. You've come a long way, Clayton, haven't you? Mate, I reckon, uh, I think it's 10, 11,000 miles, something thereabouts, 22 hours flying time. So, yeah, uh, fantastic being here, though. Well, you're definitely an accounting influencer, Clayton. You've been in this game a long time. For, for our watchers, audience that haven't come across, you tell us a little bit about you and your world. Yeah, sort of started out uh, last century in the 80s, started out at Pricewaterhouse. Great place to sort of start in tax. I was the... Small firm. Yeah, small firm. Started yeah. small firm. But I, th I was actually the dumbest person there, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, I ended up going into a regional firm, actually, in country New South Wales. Um, met my wife. She lived there. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to stay in accounting. I'm sort of an accidental uh, consultant okay. that sort of has fallen into place. Um, and technology came along in the mid-90s. And we thought, okay, let's set up a software advisory division in this accounting group and teach clients how to work out what software is appropriate for them, teach, train, and educate them. So it turned into a business in the firm as a separate entity. Um, and then from there, we built that out. I honestly thought every single accounting firm in the country would have done that within about six months. Mm -hmm. So I was in a bit of a hurry. And I think we're starting to get there now. You know, accountants have certainly crossed that bridge to uh, adopting tech and implementing for clients. And what brings you all the way over to the other side of the world? Oh, man. Well. Um, these events, I've had the privilege of actually being a part of and speaking at events um, around the world. Very You're doing a lot of speaking these days, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, look, love it. It's really uh, just sharing ideas and thoughts, things that have worked, haven't worked, um, some of the challenges and opportunities that we have in our profession working with a, a, the tech industry. Um, so I've come here to actually speak at Accountex um, this afternoon. And then I'm off to another event um, in Italy, actually, uh, next week. So I do feel like I'm living someone else's life, Rob. Um, and this may all stop tomorrow. I'm, <laughs> I'm totally grateful for why it, uh, that it's occurring We've right all now. got a bit of imposter syndrome. But you, oh, men totally. you mentioned off camera the talk you're doing in Brazil to 4,000 accountants with Cafu, the famous Brazilian soccer star. So that's going to be quite something. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to keep a lid on that. My wife is very good at keeping me grounded, which uh, they are. I, we do need they that. They do that. Definitely, mate. What's your talk about today? It's, uh, the topic is accounting for the infinite game. Um, you know, what That's I've been intriguing. curious about, yeah, I've been curious for like three decades about why do some partnerships uh, thrive and okay. why do some fail to survive? And when I say partnership, I'm really talking about the accounting tech relationship and partnership. And I've seen some amazing partnerships that have existed for 30 years now and continue to do so, and others have fallen apart, um, creating a real challenge for the professional and the clients that they're actually serving. So 
effectively there's two games in town, the Infinite game and the Finite game. Simon Sinek talked about it. James Cast talked about it in a book in the 1980s. And I've sort of extended that out. It's, it's part of the solution or pieces in this puzzle as to why this happens. Um, so unlocking some of those points around how can you work out who to partner with, um, are you on the same field, and are you playing the same game before you go deeper and further with that um, tech company. It's a fabulous topic, very intriguing. I'm reminded of the quote by Martin Rutter, an American spiritual guru. He said, you've got to do it by yourself, but you can't do it alone. Yeah, yeah. Which right. speaks to partnerships, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. No one exists in isolation these totally. days. Totally, and it's like that. You know, If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yes. And, and I think that's, this profession is such a collegiate profession. You know, the contribution that we've collectively all made to each other to go further together mm. um, has been incredible. It, it's, it doesn't happen everywhere. Um, and, you know, the partnership between tech and uh, a tech industry and an, an accounting profession, bookkeeping professionals, um, you know, that we, it, it can get tested and strained at, at times. So how can we actually work out that we're on the same field, uh, we've got the same shared values and, and uh, long-term forever mindset around this? It's refreshing to hear you call it a profession. Because like the legal profession, the medical profession, they've earned their stripes, blood, sweat and tears, you're a qualified accountant, you get that. So many people call it an industry, yeah. which <laughs> smacks a little bit of blue collar and... Yeah, look... But you're right, it's the fintech industry that serves the accounting profession. You put that very well. Absolutely. And it's this coexistence, you know, we've got a... Uh, a client-centric professional services profession exactly. coexisting with essentially a product-based sales-focused yeah. industry. And so how do these two tram lines sort of run together mm. um, is fascinating. It's been fascinating watching it and being a part of it. And we've got some marvellous stories and we've got some pretty ordinary ones too. So it's really about sharing those and, and uh, working out how, how we can be better together for longer. Mm. Now we're streaming live here on LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube and this is going to go out on our podcast to our many listeners. Some of them won't get the chance to go to your talk today. So give us the skinny on it. The, the overview, what will be the key takeaways for people from that, Clay? Yeah, well, as a, first of all, knowing that there are two games in town. Okay, explain to us the finite game. Yeah, on that piece for sure. And working out a strategy or a methodology as to how you can work out which game you're playing, how you can work out which game your clients are playing, and also how you can work out which game the vendors you partner with are actually okay. playing. And it's also to reassure people that, you know, if you've had some... Um, unmet expectations or misaligned uh, value fits over the years and you've had a poor experience somewhere, that's not the end of the game. Right. So how can you recalibrate and then talk about a future that we can actually participate in together? And it's, it's really about building some uh, awareness but also confidence in actually... Um, playing out a better future for yourselves. And, and is the clients. finite game a, a short-term perspective or trying to get what you can from a partnership? Yeah, look, effectively a finite game is about... The purpose of a finite game is to actually end the game. You think of sport, you know, there's to a winner... Win. Yeah, to win. When right. you hear people talk about, I'm here to win, I'm here to dominate, I'm here to beat, yeah. you know, those, those t that terminology sort of signifies the finite game mindset. Got it. And that's not the profession. Mm. You know, we've been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. We're going to be around for many hundreds to come. Yeah. Um, we're going to have challenges and opportunities that come along. But the purpose of an infinite game is to continue playing the game. And it doesn't matter the number of people. In fact, more people that come in actually help us to become better and stronger to get individually yeah. together. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating lens to look through. And it just brings, when I discovered it, I thought, wow, this actually um, puts this focus and lens on why these things happen and how can we determine which actually field we're on. Not that you, we don't want to rule one over the other. 
it's not about ending the finite game mindset or finite game players. It's just that they, they coexist. You don't need to be on that field if you're an infinite game player. Love that. Now, you've come a long way. You've got your talk, but you are here and you'll be having lots of conversations. What are objectives have you set yourself for what is going to be a very busy couple of days? Yeah, look, absolutely. And then these things are a marathon and a sprint, aren't they? they? Are. I mean, it's this the is after party. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I want to just chat and listen to as many people as possible. You know, just getting a sneak. I feel like I'm in a very privileged position to uh, poke my head into these events around the world. And there's just this convergence that, that is happening globally. Um, we've sort of... Nation or different parts of the world have been uh, going at different paces, I suppose, or started at different levels um, originally on this. So the wonders of recording yeah, live. So. That's fine. We are live. We are live here, guys. Um, so just seeing what's happening in each region has been fascinating, um, and also talking to different vendors. A lot, lot more of these app partners now are global. They they start yeah. in their might be starting their garage or in their third bedroom and they are now a global business. So it's wonderful seeing and ca catching up and reconnecting with a lot of friends. Is there a sense you can speak into this that the Australian, New Zealand part of the world are a little bit ahead of the game? Yeah, well, I think that um, is true. I mean, the, uh, full credit to the Kiwis, really, in uh, cloud um, technology and yeah. cloud adoption initially. So we need to give credit there. Um, Australia, there were some specific nuances about that market. There was existing suppliers that uh, sort of had um, not treated the market that great. And so there was an opportunity. Um, you know, the vendors came in. They built out um, that community 10 years ago. And... You know, I, I thought America was going to be ahead of the curve, but they are a little bit further back. Yeah. But they seem to be very much accelerating. So that gap is shortening and tightening up around the world. So I don't think we can claim to be ahead. I mean, we're 18 hours ahead or 12 or 9 or whatever it is, you know, in actual time. Um, but what I'm seeing is this convergence. And there's different things happening, happening in different regions of the world of um, that then can be spread around the world in just uh, ideas and adoption, um, for example. So. Yeah. And finally, Clayton, what are you most looking forward to with your stay over here? Obviously, you've been here for the coronation of our King yeah. Charles. I know you're a big Quite Commonwealth a fan. <laughs> but no, what, what's high on your agenda? Yeah, look, it's just connecting with others, really. Um, the know, networking. Totally. The conversations. Um, you know, we've done the tourist things, which has been absolutely you fantastic. You can't do it really on Zoom or Teams no. as easily as you can here. And one thing Everyone's I'd say is, place. you know, people... People say, well, how do you get to go to other countries and, and uh, you know, experience these events? And one thing I would say is invest in yourself. Yeah. You know, put, put your, go, just go, go yourself. I mean, 12 years ago, well, I went You're funding to, this, aren't you, to totally, be here. Yeah, so, you know, I've got um, some support as well from uh, software vendors as well that yeah. we partner with now. But people come and say to me, oh, I want to speak internationally. I want to get to those events. How do, we, how do you do that? How do I get someone to sponsor me to do that? Yeah. I would say... Go, make your own investment first. Those who invest the most usually get the best returns. So go and actually invest in yourself. You'll meet people. And maybe in a few years' time, someone might ask you to say, hey, can you come and have a chat to us about what the experience is happening around the world? So put it out there, pay it forward, and things come back to you tenfold, really. Clayton notes, you are definitely playing the long game, the infinite game. Thanks so much for your time today. That's been great. Oh, thanks so much, Rob. Fantastic being here, mate. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Bringing you the most valuable insights from Accountechs.